Today on CityCast Boise, Lori Vallow has been found guilty on all counts. But what happens now? KTVB's Andrea Dearden is here to tell us how sentencing might go, how the families of JJ and Tylee reacted to the verdict, and what this means for the future trial of Lori's husband, Chad Daybell. It's Monday, May 15th. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is what Boise is talking about. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for being here. Happy to do it. So the jury in the trial of Lori Vallow Daybell just reached their verdict. And what did they decide? So the jury came back this afternoon just a little bit um, before one o'clock, and they did find Lori Vallow guilty on all charges. So all six counts, uh, they returned a verdict of guilty. And how long did they deliberate? And, And what does that tell you about the case against Lori Vallow? Yeah, they did not deliberate very long. So they went into deliberations on Thursday afternoon. Now, when they go into deliberations, there's still quite a lot that has to happen. I mean, they have to select a foreman. They have to, that's kind of the person in charge of the deliberations. They have to go through the instructions. They have to know exactly what's expected of them. You know, they they always get those instructions about what the charges actually mean, what it means to find someone guilty, what it means not to, you know, to find someone not guilty. So there is some technical details that have to happen. So that started um, late Thursday afternoon. They then decided they were going to take a break overnight. So, you know, go and and sleep. And then they came back into deliberation this morning, so Friday morning. Um, And so that we're, we're talking about a matter of hours that they deliberated. And, you know, relatively quick, especially considering that there were six different charges that they have to come to independent uh, analysis of. They have to come to an independent verdict. So while there are 12 people that have to make up their minds, they each have to do that on their own. And that is a very specific instruction. As a juror, you aren't trying to convince the person next to you to see it the way you do. I mean, it is you are required and asked to independently determine whether that defendant is guilty or not guilty. And so, you know, to have 12 people do that on six different charges in a matter of hours, it's it's relatively quick. Yeah, it seemed quick. Who was in the courtroom from the family and how did they react? We know that the grandparents, Kay and Larry Woodcock, so JJ's grandfather and grandmother, who have been there and really been very vocal throughout this trial, they were there and were, I would call it jubilant. Um, as they left the courtroom, they were emotional, but in a very almost celebratory way. They said that they were very pleased with the outcome. They thanked prosecutors. They thanked law enforcement. Now, I also recognize that that, you know, that celebration turns into tears very quickly because they also are still without their grandson, JJ, Tylee. Larry said, I've, I've never met the late wife of Chad Daybell. And yet uh, she will forever be a part of our lives. So they have connected all three of these victims and, and certainly wanted justice for all three of them. And he said today he felt like that happened. And what about Lori Vallow? How did she react? There was very little reaction at all from Lori today. She stood stoically, which is not really different than what we have seen of her throughout this trial. She really didn't show any emotion. There was no change in body you know, that sometimes you'll see a defendant kind of slump over or you start to see that reaction. Sometimes defense attorneys will somewhat console their client or, you know, help them through listening to the verdict. There was none of that. She stood very, um, you know, her facial expression didn't really change. She just stood quietly and still. 
at the very end, as they were allowing the jury to leave, they ask everyone to stand. They're ending the proceedings. And Lori crossed her arms and stood there with her arms crossed. And that was really the only reaction we saw whatsoever. Wow. Well, the trial itself was about six weeks, a little shorter than predicted. Why was it so short? You know, I think some of it is just scheduling. They, You never really know when they predict how long a trial will go. You know, they are having to sort of guess how long it's going to take for questioning matters about, you know, how much the cross-examination is going to go. And then will redirect take time? I mean, so it really depends on, you know, they're, they're kind of having to guess, I guess, when, I, when they schedule a trial. And so, yes, it did go shorter than expected. I don't think that that's indicative of a major change in strategy. I think that they simply planned and wanted to make sure that they were giving jurors and um, and those witnesses and a pretty realistic explanation that it could take eight to 10 weeks. So we need you to be available for that. But the fact that it ended sooner just meant that it went a little bit quicker than than they had predicted. How many witnesses did the state call? It was right at 60 witnesses. So quite a few. Um, the prosecution are the only is the only side that called any witnesses. The defense, of course, had the opportunity to cross-examine all of those and question all of those witnesses, but they did not present any witnesses on their own. I was a little confused by that. Why Why didn't the defense call any witnesses? You know, the defense, their job is not to prove innocence of their client. The, it's the prosecution's job to prove guilt, meaning that it is not the defense attorney's job to offer an another option. They are only there to make sure that there is reasonable doubt if they can do something to help you know, ensure that their client, that that reasonable doubt kind of creeps into the jurors' minds. So what we saw here was the defense didn't need to present a witness. They don't have to present witnesses. What they said was, we don't believe that the, that the prosecution has done enough to show that our client is guilty. And they let that stand in their 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 closing arguments, they told the jury she got wrapped up with Chad Daybell and that he was the reason that all of this happened and that, yes, she was manipulated and, yes, she was in love with this man who led her astray, but that that does not equal guilty of murder. The jury disagreed. Was there any evidence that uh, really stuck out to you? What's super interesting about this case is that there was very, very little direct evidence. I mean, we heard of one single hair on a piece of duct tape that was found on J.J. Vallow, who had been bound by duct tape wrapped in plastic, there was one hair of Lori's on that duct tape. And that was really the only piece of evidence, direct evidence, that tied Lori potentially to this crime. Everything else in this case was circumstantial evidence. Now, powerful circumstantial evidence, but still circumstantial, meaning that the jurors had to infer a lot of meaning behind text messages. Never anywhere did did Lori say, I want my children dead. Never did she say, I want you know you to take my children's life. But in Idaho, all you have to do is believe that the person knew about a crime, you know, had information about a crime, knew that it was going to happen, and did nothing to stop it. I mean, that makes them a part of the crime and therefore guilty of the crime. And so all of this circumstantial evidence, it there were lots of that. I mean, just from the way that she reacted to people, you know, when her children were missing, the fact that she didn't appear concerned at all, the fact that she was sending text messages about the demons and wondering what percentage of death or life that they were in. I mean, all of that 
very odd, none of it directly speaking to murder, but clearly enough in totality for all 12 jurors to say she was guilty. She knew that these children and Tammy Daybell were going to be killed and that she had a part in it. You mentioned Chad Daybell, and I'm wondering, you know, the outcome of Lori's trial. What does this say about the future trial of Chad Daybell? You can't help but think that Chad Daybell's attorneys are going to have to take pause now and and think about their strategy. The death penalty is still on the table for Chad Daybell. We do know that he has waived his right to a speedy trial. So they have said his trial will not happen until at least June of 24. So we are more than a year out. His attorneys have been present at Lori's trial throughout it. And so I I had understood that that his attorney said, oh, this is good. The jury jury coming back very quickly. I don't see how today's verdict helps Chad Daybell at all. I mean, they the defense definitely pointed to him as being the mastermind. And I don't see how guilty on all counts for Lori doesn't give Chad Daybell's attorneys quite a bit to quite a bit of concern. Mm. Well, what comes next for Lori Vallow now with like the sentencing? They will do what's called a pre-sentencing investigation, which is ultimately like a really in-depth report. And they will gather as much information as they possibly can about the charges against her, her history. I mean, we they will know everything about her marriages, you know, as much as they can about anything that has led up to this day, from the time that she was born up to this day. And it looks at everything from her mental stability, her risk to the community, um, her risk to reoffend, kind of where she is in terms of how she's thinking about what happened. Is there any remorse? Is there any, you know, is there an opportunity, if you will, for any sort of rehabilitation in this woman? And it's really meant to inform the judge about what sentencing should look like for her. Now, on these six counts, there will be some minimums. There will be, you know, state in statute, there will be minimums where you, the judge will have no discretion in terms of lowering it beyond a certain amount. So I would expect to see her uh, sentenced to a significant time in prison. But all of that information, all of that investigation has to happen before that Um, So we're looking at probably another four or five months before she goes before the judge for sentencing. Can you remind us, uh, why is the death penalty off the table here? That was something that they worked out. I mean, that was something that they agreed to. And it was, I think, partially because of the mental health status and, and kind of talking about all of that. The prosecution agreed to take that off the table around the same time that they agreed to separate the cases of Chad and Lori. And so when you look at a death penalty case, it is a different kind of case. I can only assume that prosecution felt more confident in their ability to get a conviction without the death penalty on the table and with separating these two out. So they were most, you know, here all they had to be concerned with was Lori and Lori's perspective and kind of her involvement. They will worry about Chad and Chad's involvement later. Perhaps they agree that he had more of a part in it. Perhaps that's you know, one of their pieces of, you know, maybe that's part of their thought process is that he actually is more culpable. And so therefore, the death penalty feels more just for him and not for both. You know, you've been following this case and this story for such a long time, and you have so much experience covering other big cases. I'm wondering, how does this trial compare? I thought that this trial was very, it was well done. I mean, there was nothing in it that was shocking. There was 
I have watched cases where I had a real question about the strategy where I didn't understand, you know, I almost wondered if I remember watching trials where I wondered if a mistrial is what they were going for just in the way that they were handling some of the questions and and the way that the procedures were happening. This one, it, it was very, it was meticulously done. It followed process. The judge was very particular about not allowing any of the fodder from all of the media coverage and all of the conversation outside of the courtroom really did a great job of not allowing that in. And so I think it went very well. I mean, I think it was very straightforward. And I think what we expected to get is exactly what we got. There were no major bombshells. There was nothing presented that we thought came out of left field. Nothing that, you know, that nobody had ever heard before. It was the same things we had always heard, the same information, and ultimately with a little bit more evidence and science backing behind it to show how they knew what happened. Hmm. So what stands out to you the most from this whole criminal procedure? Like, do you, are there things about this case specifically that will really sit, stick with you? I think less about the trial, more just about the crime in its, itself. I think that the egregious nature of this you know, the killing of these two children, the killing of Tammy Daybell, the amount of planning and the amount of work and, you know, organization that went into taking these lives. It it seems like so much work and, and so much effort. And yet at the same time that this is happening, we have these two adults involved that are frolicking on a beach in Hawaii. So just that juxtaposition of, you know, this egregious, heinous crime at the same time that what we see publicly and what we see on the outside is this couple in love and, you know, eager to continue their life together, all under the guise of, you know, religious salvation. I think that to me is what stands out the most is it is just an incredible story. And the amount of death and the amount of, you know, the conniving, the amount of coordination that went into causing so much harm, it it is absolutely story-making. And if you want to be kept up to date with Lori Vallow's sentencing or Chad Daybell's trial, you can check out more of KTVB's incredible coverage of this story and others on KTVB.com. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Leave us a review and subscribe to our Hey Boise newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more local stories from around the city. Bye.